for our sponsor, Dog Overboard Adamstown, the fun and healthy place for dogs. Pet Chat on your pet-friendly radio station, 2NURFM 103.7. Oh, hello, hello. Yes, we are back. Cheryl Shaw, you look lovely as ever. You've got some polka dots on today. Yeah, I'm wearing those spotty bots. You're wearing the spotty bots. I was concerned that you didn't have a brooch on, but it was hiding. Hiding. You've it's... got a... Is it a poodle today? No, it's just a little dog with spots. Oh, you always team with the theme and it's oh. lime green and the necklace. <laughs> oh, check us out on our camera. You can see how good Cheryl looks too in URFM.com. Paul McCarthy, I mean, you look amazing I know, I'm as well. I'm You're in your very uniform. Boring in my uniform. I'll have to jazz it up the next time. Yeah. Can you please do? Yeah, you yeah. know, put a bit of Suit flair here. Yeah, yeah. That'd be nice. What are we chatting about today? Well, I thought with winter being here, we'd talk about does your dog need a jacket? Oh, yeah, because they get so cold. Mm, they do. Poor little pooches. Hello, Jan in Soldier's Point. You've got a question for Dr. Paul today. Yes, um, my daughter, I'm ringing for my daughter. She's just um, got a Maltese cross Shih Tzu um, rescue dog. Uh, and she's just really worried that the dog won't let anybody pat it. It'll sit on you, it'll jump up on you to your knee, and as soon as you put your hand out to pat it or to touch it it wants to growl and really you know go so they're just a little bit worried as to how to handle it as to how to get closer to the dog sure do you, how, how old is the dog jan two and a half years okay and do you have any history of the dog prior to it being in rescue no no okay. it was um just they it was um at a um like a private residence where the people were fostering it when okay. they picked it up. So it certainly sounds like the dog probably hasn't had a great um, deal of uh, time with people. And mm-hmm. so th- as far as socialisation goes, has probably missed out on some of that critical socialisation time. Mm-hmm. So the, the most important is to not do anything that makes the dog feel uncomfortable. If a dog's already approaching and wanting to sit on your lap, that's great. And, and, and I would praise that. Uh, you, could retreat, you could treat that with a reward. And as far as physically touching the dog, allow the dog to tell you what it wants. So often dogs will initiate a pat by moving your hand with their head or putting their paw on your hand to initiate that behaviour. And don't pat over the head as your first step. Humans are, are always thinking that the pat on the top of their head is what dogs want. It's actually quite confronting for a dog to have that as the initial initiation act. You're far better to try and rub the area between the front legs, what we call, call it, the, the chest below the neck, that's a nice safe spot to initiate um, um, attention mm-hmm. because the dog can both see your hand as well as feel your hand being there. So don't get the owners, um, your, your, your children, to directly go to the top of the head or down the back where the dog can't see where the hand is going. All right, okay. Yeah, and the second thing is is just trying to make sure that the dog is feeling relaxed at all times um, and so letting the dog take the lead in those circumstances, praising praising the dog when it's doing behaviour that you'd like to keep and ignoring the behaviour that is bad. That would also go if somebody comes to the house, the dog just barks crazily. So yeah, so, that so would it, be it, the it's same sort to, of thing. Yeah, so the dog's trying to protect itself by barking the danger away. If they mm-hmm. can, if they can scare that that stranger from the house, then they've remained safe. 
So in right. those circumstances, it, it's again taking it all very slowly and carefully, reassuring the dog that they are safe. Often it's better to have the dog not in the same room as the person entering to start with so that they're somewhere else where they feel safe and then they can be introduced to the, the stranger in the room rather than the stranger coming in through the front door as their first approach. That can try oh, and help that barking as well. But again, the, the, the bark is just, I, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm trying to keep myself safe and I'm just letting everyone know that if they did try and take me on, that there's, you know, some rough and tough in me. But generally it's about, it, it's a nervousness rather than a, a pure aggression. Right. Okay. Thank you very much for your help. No problems. Good luck. So, Paul, it is about building up the trust as well with, with the animal. Yeah. So in, in those circumstances where Jan has had a dog where there's no previous known history, it, it's that unpredictability of how much attention or lack of attention that dog's had during that critical time mm -hmm. period, what we call the socialisation window. Now, it, it's sort of generally that sort of 8 to 16 weeks is what we call the socialisation window. And if you can really maximise attention from, um, from people in that time period, exposure to things like crowds, children, other dogs, the environment in a safe manner, that really will help with those dogs down the track. Dogs that are showing that sort of fear at two years, they, they may have had experiences that have not been pleasant, mm. they, they may have, have or developed a distrust of people already. Um, and if it does occur in that window, it can be often a long time to try and rehabilitate those animals and sometimes not always a, a, possibility, a possibility to rehabilitate those animals. I learned so much when you come on. I didn't realise <laughs> about the patting of the dogs. I'm yeah, doing the safe. wrong thing. I'm yes, getting my kids to pat zone. Gizmo on the back. Yeah. Yes, and once Gizmo knows you're there and safe, he'll enjoy that patting. Okay. It's just when you're first meeting a dog you don't know, the first idea is best with your hand as a fist. You place your fist in front of a dog's nose, let a dog sniff you with mm -hmm. fingers all enclosed so they're not a target for the dog to grab. And then if, they, if that's accepted and licked, you then rub that base of your chest um, under the neck and that just means that the dog is being met in, a, in its safe way. It makes sense once you say it. So yeah. they can see you coming, they get to have a little sniff of you that's and, it. you know, introduce themselves. And, and it also makes sense as a human. If someone came up to you and the first thing they did was pat you on the head, <laughs> you'd, you'd probably not think that was a, a very I would think you're really condescending. Yeah, that's like right. You. So yeah, so just remember if it, if you if you wouldn't like it, then don't do it to a dog either. <laughs> Harry from Cave Speech, you've got a question for Dr. Paul about a white boxer. Yeah, well, we do. We have a, as I said, a white boxer. Um, she's a beautiful dog, and she's just gone on for two. But she um, she has these tear stains. Mm. Now we've tried all the products that were, was available in in the pet stores and that, but yep. we just can't get anywhere. Yeah. Now, now I spoke to a vet that uh, is now retired, which I can't get in touch with, but he mentioned something about breaking down peroxide and putting that on with a, uh, a cotton bud. Do you know anything about that? Or do yeah, you know so, a product so that what he's talking about is diluting the peroxide to try and bleach the, the, the hair under the eye. That's correct. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and certainly that has been a, a commonly used technique to do um, to try and get that white stain to go back to being white. Mm -hmm. does, does, so, so boxers commonly can have conditions where they will have increased tear production abnormally. Has, has the vet checked your boxer to make sure that the dog's producing the correct amount of tears and there's not more tear being produced due to, say, a rolled eyelid or extra eyelashes? No, no, we, we uh, had her to the vet quite uh, recently. Uh, she actually suffers with a, a, a small liver okay. and she's on medication for that, which is all cleared up now. It's quite good. Excellent. 
Yeah, but um, as I say, this stone, it's, it doesn't affect it, but it no. just doesn't look good. No, and certainly I think it's, a, it's an aesthetic thing we see in lots of white dogs, and I'm sure, Cheryl, you see this as part of your daily practice. Um, there are the things called angel eyes, which is a... We've an tried actual, that. It doesn't yeah. do a thing. And I, I think generally, um, I'm going to be a little bit tough on this one, is that it, it doesn't worry of a dog. I, I'd probably let it be. Um, in that it is only a, a, a colour stain rather than a dermatitis, I'm assuming. So dermatitis mm-hmm. is, yeah. is a very different kettle of fish, but if your vet's seen the dog and seen that there's no dermatitis in the area, um, I'd wipe away any sleep that builds up in the site and I, I guess sort of get used to the stain maybe. What do you think, Cheryl? Yeah, I know a lot of show people use probiotics. Yes. And yep. that can sometimes work for some breeds of dogs, particularly the Bichons. Um, I know that we um, are quite fond of angel eyes and again, for some dogs it doesn't work other dogs it does but um, probiotics seem to be something that a lot of show people use okay and there's a really good one of that called now the name is as called protexin um and and your local vet or even pet shops will have protexin and that can be given as a daily um food supplement you just you put on the food can you spell it uh protexin p-r-o-t-e-x-i-n okay and i, I can get that from the vet or yeah yeah it's, it's a non-prescription product um uh-huh. you can use that uh, other probiotics that people will often use is if you use your cult um that can often be helpful for dogs as well and that's actually obviously perfectly safe for, for the dogs yeah to, to take. Yeah. yeah and and always check for particularly with liver disease it's always good to check if you're going to give something just not knowing what yeah. the diagnosis of your liver disease is for your boxer um just clarify that, pro- that any of the probiotics are safe to use in that yeah, some sure. liver disease you, you shouldn't be using anything that then well, the well we get it checked out every every three to six months yeah, so, perfect. Uh, you know, they keep a check on the blood and that sort of thing. Yeah, so just check if your vet just make sure that the, the liver disease you're currently having treated um, is f- is fine to use probiotics with before you use a probiotic po- product. Mm-hmm. Okay, thank Thanks, you. Harry. Harry sounds like a great pet owner. Yeah, very you know? determined. Yeah, yeah. He and, is. and boxes sadly are often overrepresented in breeds who do have um, congenital liver diseases or acquired liver diseases. So it is important when you have those sorts of dogs that you do follow your vet's recommendations. Livers are uh, important, obviously, and and lots of things can affect liver function. So always before you use a product orally, just check that it's safe to use. But I do like that advice about the stained eyes because um, with a Maltese, same thing. You just yep. get it. So it's like someone saying to me, "Can you get rid of your freckles?" Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I'm not the cold kidman. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it is an aesthetic choice, and I think some people do. The, the risk of using some of the more stronger products, like the peroxide, is the location. You're very yeah. close to the eye. Yeah, you don't want to um, be hurting that yeah, eye. Yeah, so I, I, I'm, I'm sort of a little bit that aesthetically it's more worrying us than it is for dogs yeah, sure. and, and sometimes it's one of those situations where um, we just learn to love the, love the stain. Okay. Yeah, Dr Paul, can I ask something about the white boxes? Are they usually deaf? Often male white mm-hmm. boxes are, have an increased propensity for deafness. Often white boxes aren't all white. Yes. So that, that often means that, that people will expect for their boxer to be deaf because they are white, but they'll actually have some pigmentation in areas that, that aren't easily visible. But you are correct. Actually, white in lots of breeds can indicate that there's a, an increased propensity for deafness. Yeah, cats as well. Your cats as well. Mm, yeah. Love it. I've never yeah. heard of that. Oh, we're, what a great team we make I here, know. Sarah. Look at you two go. Yeah, we're, we're currently, one of my nurses is currently looking after a, um, a foster bulldog that is deaf. Um, he was born deaf, and he's predominantly white. Um, but he has a couple of little, you know, dark spots, but yeah, he, he's deaf. And so um, Sharon's learning to do, to treat 
um, behaviours with a reward and a hand signal so that we can try and teach that deaf dog that without hearing us that there are requests and things like sit and come and stay so that he knows that he can be a good part of the society with hand signals. Yeah, I've actually taught a couple of dogs in puppy school as well where that have been deaf and we've taught the owners to sign to their dogs. And I know, Paul, you love signing. I so do, I, I do, bet I you're do. talking to that dog every day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm teaching the dog lots of different phrases. I'm not sure how much it's learning, but I'm enjoying the practice. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Hello, Chris and Ellie Barmer. Hello, hello. You've got um, a rescue I, dog. Yes, I have a rescue dog. She's a foxy cross and... Um, She'll actually be five next month. I've had her now. I fostered her for a couple of months and then I've ended up adopting her. <laughs> um, that happens <laughs> and commonly. But, um, and she's a dear little dog, but um, uh, because she'd been attacked by these dogs and had her throat ripped open when she was surrendered to the vets, um, she's very, very fearful of anyone coming in a space and I can't take it for a walk anywhere where there's other dogs. She she rears up and bears her teeth and, and you can't control her. Sure. And I've tried lots of different things. People try this, try that. Um, and I just like her to be able to enjoy. I take her for a walk, but I always try to go where I know there's no other dogs. Is she giving you indicators that she is enjoying the walk, though? She, she gets so excited. She, now, when I want I, you to look at the excitement for me in, mm-hmm. the, in that there is excitement and there is hyper-excitability due to anxiety. And oh, so, so often yeah. people are misunderstanding um, that what's actually happening is that dog's getting so wound up about that lead coming out and having to face being outside that that jumping and the crying and the scrabbling is actually not, I'm looking forward to this walk, but I'm actually getting quite nervous about leaving the house. Oh, because... Um Actually, what happens in the morning, I've got a, a routine, I'm, I'm just on my own, and, and I, I, um, so I have a shower and I get dressed and I give her a little bit of dry food and that, but after that, she just runs in and out where the lead is, like yes. wanting to yeah. go. So like, what, what's really happening running in and out, in and out, and like, she gets on my feet, it's like, I want to go, and she pulls, I've got a, one of those balance leads, Yep. but she, she could nearly, she pulls so hard, um, so to me, that part's excitement, but then as I think what you're saying, when I'm actually right out and about and if she sees the other dogs, that's a, I think that's a real anxiety. Yeah, so I, I'm, I'm fairly, con- fairly cautious about um, if dogs are showing that amount of aggression on their walk, mm. that, that the walk may not be all that positive for them. And, right. and that you may be better to look at other avenues for exercise. Um, right. So it, it can even be just have a little bit of a, a sniff and smell at the front of your house so that your yeah. dog knows who's been passed and what's been happening over the day. But yeah. that might be a, a dog that's far better to have a, a run and play in the backyard with a toy or chasing games or, or something that doesn't place that dog in, a, in, an, in an environment that stimulates that fear aggression. Because that right. bearing of the teeth and that wanting to sort of look like I'm going to try and go the other dogs yeah. is actually a bluff technique to try and maintain safety. When you're, yeah. a, little, when you're a little dog, um, you know that yeah. if push comes to shove, if the fight occurs, you're unlikely to win. So mm. your best mm. defence is to make yourself look as rough and tough as you can from the get-go, scare yeah. everybody else away so that yeah. no one takes the challenge on. That's and it, exactly and, what she's like. Yeah. And at home... She's the most gentle, loving dog you could ever, affectionate and, 
you know, really lovely. Well, she's already giving you your indications of where she feels safe. Mm, so I, she I'm, doesn't understand toys. I don't think whoever's play... had her in those years, yeah. she just doesn't know. I've bought that many toys. Yeah. And and she just looks at me like, I don't know what that is. She just doesn't know what to do with them. She also won't be able to play if she's nervous. So what mm. you might be best to do, is she food motivated at all? Oh, she would eat all day, every day for Beautiful, she, beautiful. So yeah. start smearing some Vegemite and all peanut butter on your toys to yep. get her interested in them and yep. then smear and throw them. So what right. we're actually doing is we're, oh. we're sort of teaching her play techniques because it right. may be that she didn't ever learn them or she was in a circumstance where she didn't feel safe enough to play. But, right. um, yeah, I, I think that there's... I'm sure that she wants to see what's out there because she wants to make sure she's safe. So let her have a sniff and a walk around at the front with you on lead. Have, okay. her, have her see it. But I would probably avoid taking her to some of those bigger off-lead areas or the bigger yeah, oh, park I areas never, yeah, where, I, where I she's going to be challenged by those No, I, I really try not to do that. No, if Perfect. I, yeah, if I walk out the front and there's people across the road have got a dog, I actually will turn around and walk the other way or... It's often good in those circumstances to try and desensitise her a little bit, though. So when she mm. sees another person, give her mm. a, a reward. So she links being fed with what she sees as a oh, negative. Oh, okay. I never thought of that. Yeah, yep. so you positively reinforce the event so yes. that she sees, oh, I see a person, I get a reward. That means people are good. If I keep doing, oh. if, if I keep seeing people, I keep getting rewards. How good are people? They equal rewards, and we're trying oh. to desensitise her to oh. those events. Yeah, and right. that can that can cross over to dogs as well. Dogs are yep. slightly more challenging in dogs who have been attacked, but yes. st it's still a warranted activity to try. But just place her always in a distance so that she doesn't feel that she's got to arc up and do that confrontation activity because yep. she yeah, won't that's what learn I, I, while that's she's scared. I do. As soon as I see a dog, even in a distance, I sort of veer a, in a total different direction. But as you say, if that happens and I walk out the front here and there's people across the road, I could do that, couldn't I? Once she starts to jump up, just give her a treat. Yep, yep. pay, pay mm. the good. Good on you, Chris. Thank you for the call. Once again, interesting information, and, and I didn't realise that... Um, obviously, it's a trait with, with some foster dogs that they don't play with toys. I know that my brother adopted Roger, and for, like, the first three years, we said he wasn't a real dog because he wouldn't, wouldn't play with toys. He does now, but no way. Yeah, and it just meant for the first three years he didn't feel safe enough to play. Okay. So, so playing for, for all species, for, for us as well, um, requires you to be relaxed and enjoying your environment. And, and often one of the questions I'll ask people who may have an anxious dog is, do you see your dog playing? Because it gives me an idea as to how safe they're feeling in their environment. Mm, they do tell us so much, don't they? Without we just us need to be better listeners. We do. 49216216. We do have a free line right now if you've got a question for Dr Paul. And we might have a quick look at our, our pet of the week Oh, I just want to squish her cheeks. <laughs> now, this one is Junior, uh, a nine-month-old Kelpie cross who is adorable and energetic. Now, he's a, he's a boy. Um, he looks huge. There's a little <laughs> video here. <laughs> There's a video here of, of him which will pop up. Um, yeah, he looks quite a big boy. Um, he's still very gangly. He's in the puppy stage. Um, his coat is beautiful and shiny. He has got floppy ears, which mm. are very cute. Um, so he hasn't had very much experience on the lead, so he will need some further training to make exercise with him fun. He is house trained and he's comfortable sleeping both inside or outside. Junior's a very affectionate dog who loves to give kisses and just wants to be with you. Junior really needs a family that will fully uh, include him in their lives. And I'm guessing uh, Dr. Paul and Cheryl, he'll be quite energetic, this boy, because he is a big he's boy. Yeah, and his breed type would suggest he needs to have lots of mental stimulation. 
keep mm. keep him really entertained. Kelpies need to work. Well, go check him out because he is on our Facebook page. If you want any more information, head to 2NURFM.com. Click on more at the top and then you'll see Dog of the Week. That's where you can find him. Now, Yvonne, you've got a question for Dr. Paul about your 18-year-old cat. Yes, please. Um, yeah, he hasn't got a normal meow at the moment. It's a very deep and loud cry. And um, we're just sort of worried that he might be in pain or something. But he only seems to do it when he um, just just walks around the house, you know, just and um, he sort of wanders from room to room sometimes and, and lets out this awful cry. Okay. And, um, and we're just sort of wondering, is there anything that we can do for him? Or, yeah, um, sure. So certainly I, I, I hear you talking about pain as a possibility, and I, I would suggest certainly having a veterinarian check for things. At, at 18, the, the big conditions to worry about will be things like musculoskeletal pain, so osteoarthritis, um, renal disease, and also hypothyroidism, which is an overactive thyroid gland. They're, they're the big three that can often cause those sorts of things. The, vo- the vocalisation, if medically has been shown to not have a, a cause, could also be due to what we refer to in older animals as cognitive dysfunction, which is similar to dementia in people. Now, oh, okay. Yeah, so um, all, all mammalian brains age um, and part of that ageing process can cause changes in how they're perceiving their environment, what we call cognition, how they're thinking. And that sort of walking into a room lost um, is what, one of the early stages of cognitive dysfunction in animals. So oh, okay. um, it, 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 it's, uh, what can often help in those circumstances actually is leaving things like nightlights on, um, having uh, food in multiple areas, having litter trays in multiple areas, so that there are sort of some things that remind the cat of what the, what's in their environment. Um, also, you, they, in, in early stages of cognitive dysfunction, having the brain turn on more frequently, so having them chase a ribbon, um, having them sort of get through an obstacle, ca- uh, obstacle course, jumping in out of boxes in cats that have not too much musculoskeletal disease, just getting that grey matter to work more frequently can often stave off some of those early signs of cognitive dysfunction. But I would certainly have your veterinarian rule out pain as one of the causes for your changes. I think it's a very good thought. Oh, okay, yeah, because he was always a very active sort of cat. Yeah, um, so osteoarthritis and, um, will often be shown in cats not as a limp but just by a change in behaviour, so a, a, good, a good thought. Thanks for your call, Yvonne. We're going to go now to uh, Steve in Mark's Point. Now, you've got a stumpy tail cattle dog, Steve. Yes, I have. Um, hello there. Uh, can you hear me? Yes, we can. Ah, good. Now, um, I've got a stumpy tail cattle, a Smithfield. She's three-year-old, beautiful dog, but we live near a laneway. She's very protective of her yard, as they are, yep. and she's very protective of the car. Yeah. Now, the problem is... I have a bloke walk up here every night and he's always on his phone. Yeah. And he talks very loudly and he always walks near the fence. And it started as a thing, I think, just to stir her up. But now she waits for him and I bring her inside and we think he may have gone past. Then he changed his time and does it again. And he is really the only one that she goes off at like that. She hates him. Sure. Um, and um, children, beautiful with children. Kids can play in the lame way. She doesn't worry. But it's only this one particular bloke. He leads two Maltese terriers. 
And uh, so sorry, like, he, he's walking the dogs while he's while he's walking up the laneway. Yep, yep. walking okay. the dogs, yep. and t- and he talks very loud. Yep. I've actually said to him, "Look, mate, you know you're spurring her up, and it's like he just ignores you." No, I don't think I'm going to have. I put music on. Yeah. I think in this circumstance, Steve, I, th- I think your only option will be just to place her in an area where she can't be near that spot. There, there's yeah. nothing that I can do that will suggest a change in that one. Yeah. In that if if behaviourally sort of it's, it's just I one... Can, you know? Yeah, I think if there's only if, if it's a stimulus-related event, you just try and remove the stimulus. Or which, let her yeah. out. That's a joke. That's a joke. <laughs> don't don't <laughs> let her out. That yeah. she, she would eat it. Yeah. Um, but uh, she's a beautiful dog, don't get me wrong. But she's just this one particular bloke, and I don't know why, but she hates him. Yeah, I, I would just remove her from the situation. Mm. Sounds like, um, yeah, she doesn't like him. I don't know Steve is a fan of him either. No, and certainly... <laughs> she might pick up on that. Human body language would certainly be giving him a, a very bad uh, picture in her mind as well, so... Before we go to more calls, let's have a quick look at the weather now. It's all thanks to our sponsor, the Hunter Motor Group, Maitland for new Honda, Subaru, Volkswagen and Isuzu Utes. Yes, cloudy this afternoon. Uh, we initially thought we'd see rain for the next few days and into the weekend. Doesn't look like it will at this stage. Uh, in fact, it should be mostly sunny for the rest of the week and the weekend. We shall wait and see. We're talking pet chat and we will go to another call right now. Uh, we've got Stephen from Waratah. You've got a question about your eight-year-old Labrador. Yes, good afternoon. Um, thanks for taking my call. My dog, well, she used to belong to my neighbour and then they wanted to rehouse him. So I um, took him. Um, he's now eight years old. Uh, and we live alone, just him and I. And um, I'm guilty of overeating and I'm guilty of overfeeding him. He's now 54 kilos. Good grief. Okay. And... and um, I don't consider that he gets a lot. I give him a, a a bone in the morning, a small bone, and then he gets his main meal, which is 250 to 300 grams of chicken wings, you know, during the day. But then he will have some of what I eat for lunch and dinner. Okay. All right. So, <laughs> I, so, I think this is a really simple one, this one, Steve. This is about portion sizes. Yeah. So my question was, is it a simple matter of just cutting back what I give him or should he go on a special diet? Yeah, look, I, I think sadly at that weight, that is actually what we would refer to as obesity and mm. obesity is a, is, is, is a real sort of open doorway to all sorts of conditions that are going to come your yeah. way. So yeah. I, I, I would recommend talking to a veterinarian. There are some very good foods out there now. There's one called Hills Metabolic, which is formulated for obese dogs to try and get them mm-hmm. back into a, a healthy weight range. And that's looking at trying to look at epigenetics and trying to turn genes on and off, not just mm-hmm. about trying to make portion size better controlled. But certainly your, your bone is all marrow and fat. So there's step number one. I, I, would, I, would, okay. re- I would remove that one from your, from your shopping list. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Uh, Chicken wings, which I think you yes. mentioned, yes. that's just a big bunch of fat. Okay. Yeah, so I think even some of the selected food types, you're feeding fat rather than feeding fibre or protein. Um, okay. And, and so I'd, I'd look more at looking for... You, you could fill her up on vegetables without having to use these fatty products that are really going to just put more weight on. Okay, yeah, fine. Yeah. But certainly, yeah, have a chat to your veterinarian. There's some really good products out there for weight control now. And, and certainly look at your, at your diet selection because I think there's a lot of things on there that you could remove that would make a big difference to your dog's body weight. Okay, fine. Well, thanks for your help. No, thank good you. Luck. 
Thanks, Stephen. Thank you. Bye. And and so, Doctor Paul, should we be feeding our dogs more than once a day, or um, is once a day adequate? Yeah. So this this really comes down to again portion size. So um, you can feed a dog as often as you would like to, provided that what's going in, uh, input wise, energy wise, is being used up. So okay. so the same rules for us. Yep. So if we, um, you can actually get away with giving dogs less as a total over 24 hours if you divide their meals up into one or two or three yes. smaller meals. But you need to make sure. But you they need are to make divided. sure that they're being divided. So what often happens is that um, people are not necessarily matching what they're feeding to the amount of output a dog has. And, and certainly with the last caller, for example, there's very little exercise ability for a dog of that body weight to do. Mm. It, it's too hard. And in those yeah. circumstances, the portion sizes are really important. It sounds like um, Stephen's dog needs to go to boot camp with me. 12-week well, challenge. 12 Let's week see challenge. if we can get some, you know, <laughs> fat off him. I, I think he probably needs to do some weight control first yes. before he starts moving those legs. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Interesting stuff. And look, that's just about all we've got time for today. Um, Cheryl Shaw, lovely to see you as always. Thank you, Sarah. It's been a pleasure. Dr. Paul McCarthy, great to have you in as well. We've had thank some interesting much. questions today. Yeah, it's so, been a good day. Yeah, thank you very much for your calls. Of course, Pet Chat is back same time next week. And if you've got any questions in the meantime, look, there's nothing to stop you from sending us an email at 2nurfm.com. Go to Pet Chat and of course we'll make sure that we address that for you next next week so you don't miss out.